Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Saturday, March the 11th, 2023. It is currently 10.42 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Now, I get a lot of emails. Most emails are written from the perspective of the person writing is trying to tell me something, right? They're trying to either, they're either trying to tell me I'm wrong or they're telling me about something. They're either trying to inform me, but really, typically, it's the writer. Sometimes I'll be asked questions. Sometimes I will be asked questions, but usually I'm being given information, observation, argument, debate. That's probably the majority of my emails are, are kind of in that category. Information, sharing something, debating. Sometimes there'll be questions, sometimes. but And whenever I do get questions, I, I, I love those. I love those. But I received an email. How long ago did I receive this email? I received it at 9.53 p.m. this evening. March the 11th, 9.53. And this one was written from a perspective that I don't, I don't think I've ever received an email. It was more like, hey, I, I would love to get your thoughts, your opinions, and your experience in regards to this particular situation, this particular subject. I, I almost have never been asked that kind of question. It's usually like, you're wrong. What about the, like you know, that kind of thing. I, again, sometimes I will be asked questions and I do love those because then I can turn on the microphone and try to answer it. So this one kind of fits a little bit into that category, but it goes beyond that. It really wants my, my thoughts, my opinions, and they want to know my experience that I had dealing with a particular situation. And I thought that was like, wow. That's pretty awesome. So I, I, I know I'm not going to be able to do a lot of, of, of recording over the next couple of days. So I did not want this to go unanswered. I wanted to answer this as, as quickly as I could. I know. So it's been a little over. Well, no, it's been less than an hour since I received this email. And here I am. I'm going to do my best to try to talk about it. I'm not, I'm not. This may not be as extensive as I would like, so I I am going to leave the door open that I can do a part two or a part three or a part four, depending on everyone's thoughts and feedback. But I, I thought this was a fascinating email, not only because of the way it was approaching me, because I typically don't get the opportunity to have someone say, hey, what was your experience? Give me your thoughts. Give me your opinion. Um, so I, I, I was kind of, that, I thought that was cool, but I, I don't think I, I have ever received an email in regards to this subject. I, 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 this is, this is absolutely, so everything about this email to me is absolutely fascinating. So are you ready? Let's dig in here. The subject line for this email is the Iraq war and the church. Now there would be, there would have been a time in my life, I would have turned on the microphone and going, oh no, someone wants me to walk into the middle of this controversy. I don't know if it's worthwhile, but now it's been so long. I don't think there's going to be, I don't think the average person is even going to care. I think the average person is going to be like, whatever. 
I don't think it's going to matter to them in, in any way, shape, or form. Like, there's a part of me that wants to laugh because, and the reason I'm laughing, <laughs> I, I'm trying, I'm, I'm trying not to laugh because it is a serious subject. So, so I, I'm kind of conflicted here. Like, on one hand, I want to laugh because someone wants me to talk about the Iraq, the Iraq War, and the church. But it's kind of funny in my mind because I can remember a time where talking about it would have been controversial, controversial, especially for me, because I took such a counter perspective from everyone else. Uh, but now it's humorous because no one will care. And people like the Iraq war, who cares? Who cares? Who cares? Because, well, everyone has moved on. And I think there's a very important lesson in that that we'll talk about here in a second. But here's what they sent to me again at 9.53 p.m. Next Sunday is the 20th anniversary of the start of the Iraq War. Over the last few months, I have on and on and off bases been looking at the run-up to the Iraq War and in an, an event that all America has essentially memory hold. Now that, I, I think that's true. I think most Americans are like, yeah, whatever, who cares? And, and, the, and, and just from someone in the military, that's really sad because a lot of military men went there, men and women came back, not the same, injured or did not come back alive. And, but for the most part, America has just kind of forgotten it. And, and I, look, I understand why. I understand why, because that's the way life works. Unfortunately, no matter how horrible something is for you, everyone else moves on. It, it doesn't have to even be a war. Whatever horrible thing you've experienced in your life, the minute you've experienced it, right? It, it doesn't matter the tragedy, doesn't matter the disease, whatever it is. Everyone else, life doesn't stop. Life doesn't call a timeout. Life doesn't hit pause. So you're right there in the middle of the tragedy and everyone else moves on. So if you were in the Iraq war and you came back without an arm or a leg or with post-traumatic stress disorder, or one of your loved ones came back, you know, in a casket dead, well, you're never going to forget it. But the rest of the world kind of just moved on. They're like, okay, yeah, we had a war. So what? We moved on. And, and, and again, I understand that's just the way life operates, but it is amazing to believe that it's the 20th anniversary. Because my life was about to change forever. I mean, this, this war was the war that changed my life forever. And I, I'm, I still have issues that pertains to it to this day. And I'll explain in a minute. It says, what once dominated cable news coverage now has been superseded by an infinite list of other matters. And that's true. I mean, that's the way it works. And, and this is something to remember. I think there's a valuable lesson right here. Whatever the outrage is today, whatever you, you find yourself kind of getting pulled into it, right? Everyone's yelling, everyone's screaming, everyone's mad. Everyone's like, this is the beginning of the end. This is the, and everyone's getting so bothered and everyone is getting so upset. And, and, and whenever, whatever the issue is today, just remember, most likely it will be completely forgotten down the road. And sometimes within 48 to 72 hours, sometimes within two or three months, sometimes within two or three years, sometimes within 10 or 15 years. What so many things that we get so exercised about and bothered and frustrated, we, it, it just disappears. And then we're on to the next thing. And sometimes we never stop to go, man, I got to stop this. And, and let me make it very clear. 
Everything from news to social media to what I'm doing right here this evening in this studio, podcasting, so much of it is built on controversy, scandal, outrage. I mean, what would social media be if, if you know, it's like every day you wake up, you, you just have to kind of ask, what are we upset about today? What are we fighting about today? What are we frustrated about today? Because that almost always turns in to fighting and arguing and controversy and scandal because people get engaged. People, that's, how, that's how people are engaged. If you want people to be engaged, you not have to give them a hot take. You got to give them controversy. You got to give them scandal. It works the same way in a podcasting world. You got to say something controversial. You got to say something scandalous. That'll get people talking. Oh, it may get people mad, but that gets people engaged, right? And so it just, and the news, I mean, you got to have a breaking news alert every time you turn around to create panic and concern because that keeps you watching. Everything around us is designed to just move us from outrage to outrage, conflict to conflict, problem to problem. And nobody wants to really dig into those things in an in-depth manner. It's surface level hot takes to keep us going. And sometimes we, like, this is a good time to go, do you remember 20 years ago when everyone was yelling and screaming about the Iraq war? Do you remember? I don't know if you remember. Everyone was fighting. Everyone, there were so many opinions. And, and, and there was a majority opinion. And if you took the a minority view, you were basically considered you're an unpatriotic person who hates your country. And it was, it was, <laughs> it was pretty crazy. But just remember, whatever the outrage is, you have to really ask yourself, how much am I going to invest in this outrage? Because it's going to be gone tomorrow. And what did you gain from it? This person says, as a 10-year-old at the time, I remember the early days of the war and the fall of Saddam. Can you describe how Christian radio at the time dealt with the war? Also, can you describe how churches dealt with that war? Wow. Wow. From my perspective, if it was a conservative church, Bible-believing conservative church, it was, go America we need to get rid of Saddam. Remember 9-11. And for some weird reason, they connected 9-11 to Iraq. And they were like, they have weapons of mass destruction. They're going to give them to terrorists. And we're going to be destroyed because everyone was obviously September the 11th, September the 11th, 2001 was, was a major, 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 a major deal. It was a, it was a major issue at the time. And, uh, and give me one second here. Uh, I just want to verify something. I want to make sure I have everything right. Um, yeah, I want to make sure. Yes, September the 11th, 2001. I, I should never forget the day because I'll never forget how much it changed my life. It was uh, the uh, 2,996. That's the thing I needed to look up. People died September the 11th, 2001. And they have down as 7.14 a.m., Central daylight time is what they have written down for the time. Um, but almost 3,000 people died. And from that moment on, I, I can't explain the concern and the fear and the panic that just was throughout all aspects of society. Now, maybe I felt it more being in the military at the time, 
but it was crazy. So at that time, basically it was this like, Hey, yes, we need, we, we need to go into Iraq because Iraq has weapons of mass destruction. They're going to hand them over to terrorists. And then we're going to get something far worse than 9-11 where they're going to use a biological, chemical, nuclear, some type of weapon that's going to be a mass casualty event. We've got to do something. So basically, Christian radio and the church, for the most part, was very much pro-support the troops, support this war, because we can't have another 9-11. We cannot have another September the 11th, 2001 terrorist attack where almost 3,000 people die. That's, that's what everyone was concerned about. At least that's from my what I experienced is basically you're supposed to support the war. And like, there was no question, like to even question it, you're almost viewed as crazy. Now, also at that time, Christian radio and the church, a lot of, there was a lot of talk at the time, a lot of talk at the time. Oh, this is the beginning of the end. The end times is here. Wars and rumors of war. Jesus is about to come back and, 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 and Saddam is going to rebuild Babylon and, and, and there's the Antichrist is about to come to power. There was all kinds of biblical prophecy stuff going absolutely crazy. Everybody was saying though, the end was near. The end was coming. This was it. This is crazy. Islam is going to take over the world. I mean, it was like there was just so much fear and concern and worry and biblical prophecy, but it was almost from everything I could see, the more conservative the church, the more American flags everywhere, pro, pro-war. pro I mean, there's just no way to get around it. Pro-war. We need to go to war with Iraq. We need to invade Iraq. That's And that was pretty much universal. Now, the more liberal the church, then they took typically a very much more an, an, an anti-war perspective. Now, it says, what were you thinking at the time, considering the fact you were in the military, and this was before my disability? All right, well, that's a great question. Here is my take. I immediately was opposed to the war. Almost as soon as the prospect that, wait, we're going to go to Iraq? Made no sense to me. No, so I'm like, wait a minute, 9-11. Well, the hijackers are from Saudi Arabia, the, the training of the terrorists happened in Afghanistan and we're going into Iraq. Uh, wait, 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 wait. And then they were like weapons of mass destruction. They have weapons of mass destruction. And I was like, no, they don't. I was like, absolutely not. They do not have weapons of mass destruction. This is a, this is a straight up lie. Now I know I sound like I was being conspiratorial, but here was my way of thinking. I was in the military for the first Gulf war. I know that we, what, the Iraq military was roundly defeated and destroyed. They invaded Kuwait. They were driven out. They were, they were destroyed. We controlled airspace. I was like, there's no way that in the midst of the first Gulf War, they were able to now reestablish this massive weapons of mass destruction program. And they posed a serious threat. I, 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 I just, I, I, I just would not believe it. I would not believe it. I would not believe it. I would not believe it. And I would not believe it. And so I did not believe it met the just war doctrine, which I hold to when it comes to war, that there's a criteria that war must meet, that, uh, that a war must meet before it's considered a just war. And if it's not a just war, 
I didn't want any part of it. So I was, I was trying to walk a fine line because I'm in the military and I'm like, this is garbage. There is no weapons of mass destruction. I'm telling you, they're not there. And I got called into briefings because I was going to be sent. I was going to be sent to an undisclosed location somewhere near, I won't name where, in Iraq. I was going to Iraq, undisclosed location, to set up a decontamination center because of the fear of, the, of weapons of mass destruction. And, and my, my whole thing there was I was involved in decontamination for biological, chemical, nuclear, that type of warfare. And so um, we, I was there to set this up. And then if anyone was exposed to biological, chemical, whatever, then we could decontaminate them, treat them, and do that kind of thing. That was going to be my job. I was going to be sent to this undisclosed location. Now, if you know my story... That's what led me to have to have the anthrax vaccine. So I was, I was, I, I'm like, you, you're going to have to go. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to go. I got to get the anthrax vaccine. And we all know what happened. Anthrax vaccine, boom, basically code blue, massive seizures. And I have neurological and seizure disorder. It, it brought me the end of my military career. It was horrible, horrible experience. And I still experience the negative consequences of it every single day of my life. And then we know what happened. We went into Iraq and ladies and gentlemen, what did, we, oh, there were no weapons of mass destruction. Now, many in the military and many in, in the culture still claim, oh no, they found them. They just, they just didn't want to tell anybody. And you're like, give me a break. That was, that was, that, that, that basically ended Bush's presidency. He would have been, he would have been marching those weapons of mass destruction through the, a parade in New York City saying, look what we found. He, he, I mean, it was a horrible thing. We invaded a country. Now, depending on the numbers of, you can look up all the numbers. There's always debates. Thousands upon thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people died because of this invasion. And there were no weapons of mass destruction. They did not even pose a threat to us. I believe it was an unjust war. And there were briefings I had to be in about where we were going to go and what was happening and the possible threats. And I remember raising my hand numerous times and got myself in trouble going, are we sure of this intel? Are we really, I'm not, I, I am having a heart. And basically I was told that, you know, be quiet, shut up, color. We don't pay you to think. We pay you to do kind of concept. And I, I was very much opposed to it. I was very much opposed to it. They go on to say, in recent years, I've noticed conservatives and evangelicals blaming the war on the establishment, which includes what they call the corporate media, namely the New York Times, NBC, CBS, and ABC, and the intelligence community. What do you remember? Well, I know Fox News and many conservative talk show hosts were supporting the war left and right. The one person I thought who at least at the time, uh, because Bill O'Reilly, who was on Fox News, also had a radio program at the time, he was the one who I thought was the most balanced. I think he still support, he still supported it, but you, there was at least hesitation. It felt like, but most of the conservative media at the time, because I would listen to it uh, when I would take my lunch break uh, at work. And it was pretty much, no, we look, how dare these liberals? How dare these liberals? It was pretty much anyone who questioned going to war was a liberal. Now, yes, the, the media across the board, from Fox, NBC, everybody was basically supporting it. Uh, now, and I think most of the people who didn't support it were 
ultra liberal, but even much of the so-called liberal media, they may have had, they may have aired more voices questioning it than they did. Fox, at the time, the conservatives were like, this is about supporting the troops. We're pro-America. We're pro-military. We're going to support our troops. That's how I remember it. And, and, and that's, that's, that's what, because I'm the one who was calling it into question. And I was immediately met, man, I, at that time, oh, wow. I, I, I was, I was arguing with people everywhere. And even after, for years after, I was arguing with people years later on, on social media at the time with, again, Christians and, and conservatives. How dare you question the war? How dare you say anything negative about the war? How dare you do that? You don't know what they found there. You, and basically, if, if you called it into question, you were a liberal and you, you, you needed to check your heart with God, basically. That's how I remember it. Um, it was a, it was a crazy time, but that, I mean, if, if people are rewriting history, I'm sorry. Now, there, again, you can probably go find some conservatives there who were calling it into question. But I was like, I was like, this is a horrible idea. Horrible, horrible. And I, and I, and I remember telling people, I bet you a million dollars. I guarantee you there's no weapons of mass destruction. I'm, I'm saying we're not going to find anything of significance. That is, I don't know why we're sending all of our troops that we've got the problem in Afghanistan. Why are we going here? Why are we diver- diverting troops and resources and time and energy and blood to go into a, invade a country who's not a threat? Doesn't mean I thought Saddam was a great guy. Didn't think that. And then look what happened. We so destabilized Iraq that chaos erupted. I mean, sectarian violence broke out because that power vacuum, then boom, it was chaos, sectarian violence. And then trace the birth of ISIS. Now you could, you could say how Obama tried to get troops out of Iraq led to the creation of ISIS. We could get into a whole discussion about how, but the problem is we broke it. And once we broke it, there was never really any great solution in fixing it. It was a mess. We invaded a country on false pretense. Now I'm not going to say someone. I am not going to go conspiratorial and go, well, there was this nefarious reasons for going. I think, I think people really believe that there was something there. I believe intelligence gave that explanation, but it was a failure of the entire intelligence community. It was a, I, anyone blames the intelligence community. Absolutely. When it comes to the media, I didn't watch a lot. Uh, I, I, I mean, uh, probably at that time, I probably was watching Fox News the most, but I just felt every time I listened to anyone in the media, I felt they were, there were those who did raise questions, but it felt overall that basically the media was like, look, the intelligence community saying there's a threat, there's a threat kind of idea. Like, like the, the, it felt like the media just kind of went along with the intelligence community. That's how I, I remember it. But it, I mean, then there was death and bloodshed and, and basically the church and Christians just kind of moved on like, well, oops, so what? People died, not my problem. And then just moved on to the next. That's, that's the thing that really bothered me the most is that most of those that were so loud about supporting it would never come back and go, what have we done? 
people have died. Civilians have died in Iraq because we invaded a country on false pretense. We were right. Now, it was it was just kind of like either one just denied that. No, 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 no. They found something. No, no. It was the right. Saddam was a bad guy. I mean, come on. What are you? And no matter how bad things deteriorated and how many Americans died trying to fix the mess, most Christians wouldn't seem to ever own up to it. No Christians would not go. I just don't think this Matt, the just war doctor, we were wrong. Forgive us. We're going to repent. We're sorry. And, and what I wanted some of those Christians to do is be taken to the, to the homes of veterans who came back without arms or legs or, or, or they look at their family members in the face and go, I supported a war and your loved one dies and I'm sorry, but no, 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 no. Nobody wanted to really take any responsibility for it in any way, shape or form. No way, no how. It's just like, I mean, it, it's rare. It's basically the way it is today. Christian radio, Christians will support something. And if it turns out not to be the way they said it was, they don't apologize. They don't come back and go, man, we kind of got that wrong. Man, we kind of got, no, 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 no. There's never an apology. There's never owning up to it. Oh, there's always examples and exceptions, obviously. But I'm saying in general. In general, the the Christian world followed their political party and Bush was in power and Bush wanted us to go fight. It was a Republican and most Christians, conservative Christians tend to go Republicans and Republicans can never do anything wrong. There, there was always exceptions to it. Please hear me out. I, I, I cannot paint, you know, everyone into the same corner, but it was to me, it was a tragedy of epic proportions and it demonstrated to me one, how the church, I, I, and look, I was screaming at that time, the church is being hijacked by politics. The church is being hijacked by politics. The church is being hijacked by politics. I think I think most conservatives and most conservative Christians would have not have been for the war if Obama would have been in power or if Clinton would have been in power. Whenever Clinton did anything, militarily, um, Republicans would be like, how dare you, you warmonger? What are you doing? But if a Republican, they're like, well, you don't support the troops. It's it's just, it's all po politics. That I've been screaming about the political hijacking of the church probably as long as I've been a Christian. Instead of sitting back going, whoa, whoa, wait a minute, 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 wait a minute here. Okay. Now, if just take for just like, Christians, I didn't feel like Christians were willing to stop and go, wait a minute, if we invade this country and there aren't weapons of mass destruction, can you imagine that we're basically invading a country under false pretense and all kinds of people are going to die? I don't know if I can support that in the name of God or in the name of Christ. But it, it just became about the American flag, not Jesus. It, that, that's what it really became about. It became about being a Republican. So my, my feelings at the time was, this is a mistake. This is a horrible, 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 horrible mistake. Next thing you know, boom, they're calling a code <laughs> and I'm on the floor, massive seizure, taken to a hospital and my life was never the same, which led to the end of my military career many years later, because then I was told, shh, shh, you may have had a seizure, but shh. We don't tell anyone why we think what, what they, they wanted to hide it. So I had to, I could never speak about it until finally a doctor was like, 
uh, people, I think we need to take care of this individual. Okay. I know we don't want to talk about the anthrax vaccine, but this person's got some serious problems. And then finally, the Vaccine Health Center, Lackland Air Force Base was like, this was because of anthrax. And once they confirmed it, then then everything changed for my life. I mean, not, not, I mean, my health did not get better, but at least now I, I didn't have to hide in the shadows about what happened. It was a crazy time in my life. But it was, uh, to me, it was once again, the church just got caught up into it. And so the church wanted to like, ooh, ooh, Jesus is coming back. So they, you know, let's write some books and have some conferences and, and talk about prophecy. And, and, and so, so some ministries probably made a lot of money, right? Check, boom. Uh, the church demonstrated they're politically hijacked. Check. Everyone got caught up in controversy. Check. And then everyone just moved on to the next thing. And then we'll move on to the next thing. And we move on to the next thing. And rarely do we stop to look back and go, what did we do right? And what did we do wrong? What did we get right? And what did we get wrong? Now, I got that one right. I haven't always been right. I haven't always been right. But I always, I always, this is always my view. This is just my philosophy. Whatever the issue is, my philosophy is what can we do in order to preserve and save life? Because human beings are created in the image of God, and I believe life is sacred. There is a sanctity to life. And I don't believe sacredness and the sanctity and, and the sacredness of life, sacredness in the sense that we're created by God. That sacredness, that sanctity doesn't end when the baby is born. It's not sanctity of life is only for the life in the womb. It's for the life outside the womb. And war is a horrific, horrible, horrible destruction of that human life. Is it sometimes necessary? I believe it is sometimes necessary. And I believe we have to have a doctrine that helps us determine when, and that's the just war doctrine. We could go to Augustine, who articulated it. Obviously, it became a major uh, tenet of Roman Catholicism. But just because Roman Catholics in, in the catechism outlined just war doctrine, I don't believe that makes it bad. I don't agree with everything in Roman Catholicism. But when it comes to the just war doctrine, I need a biblical way, a, a way of thinking about war. And I don't determine war by the political party in power. I determine war by a lot of factors. And if we're going to invade a country who don't appear to be a threat to us other than a lot of conjecture and a lot of, well, they may not do anything, but they could give this to this person and this person could do something. And so because this person could do something and they may help this person, let's invade the entire country and kill thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. I was like, I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure. But the church always struggles with this. But but so so my philosophy has always been that. So even with COVID, my philosophy was, okay, we can debate all of this stuff, but what can I do to help try to protect and preserve life based off the information we have now? That's always been my viewpoint. It's like everyone wants to argue rights and this and that. And Paula, and I like, I just what can I do? What's the smartest thing to do to try to protect people right now? What can I do? It may turn out to be the wrong thing, but if the wrong thing is to exercise too much caution, I would rather be on the wrong side of exercising too much caution than on the wrong side of not exercising enough caution. And then people die because of something I'm involved in. That's just my, and, and for some reason that's considered, you know, spiritually, horrific position to take. 
So that that was my view. And trust me, 9-11 scared the world, scared me to death. Okay, like, I mean, I, I, mean, I, I could tell my whole 9-11 story, September the 11th, 2001, involved in a military exercise. Next thing you know, someone's telling me a plane hit a building and I'm like, what is going on? How does this part of our exercise? They're like, no, it really happened. And then we walk down there in the big room that we have with all the television monitors. And then this, we watched the second plane. And then my commander is like, that's terrorism. And then all of a sudden the world changes forever. And it was total, absolutely pandemonium chaos thinking we were under attack. It was, it was the craziest experience of my life. Um, and so from a human perspective, I do understand, like, hey, look, if, if if Iraq could be involved in something that could create another 9-11, we need to go in and fight. I can understand that mentality, but there was a part of me that says, nah, I don't think they they are involved in this. And if they're not, then we're gonna we're gonna be the one invading. And I just have a, a major problem with that. And I had a major problem with that. So to me, the Christian world demonstrated once again, it got caught up in scandal and controversy and just got caught up in it. And it, it viewed things from a political perspective or from a patriotic perspective. I think a lot of people had their hearts were in the right place. I want to support the troops. I think their heart was in the right place. But to me, if you want to support the troops, then don't support an unjust war that gets them killed. <laughs> like, I support the troop. You go, I'm going to support the troop by putting a, a yellow ribbon on a tree or putting an American flag in my front yard. Now you go off and die, possibly for some war that we shouldn't be involved in. I don't know if that's supporting the troops. I think you can support the troops going, I'm not so sure about this war, right? I, I, I think that as well. So, but it's, it's just, I think 20 years ago, we're about to have the anniversary. I think the Iraq war and the church, uh, the Iraq war serves as a warning to the church to stop looking at things from such a patriotic, nationalistic, political viewpoint. And we have to step back and look at it from a much more biblical perspective. And we need biblical principles to guide us. And I think sometimes we just need logic and reason as well, because I just think logic and reason said, there's no way they have a, a weapons of mass destruction program. There's no way. They were devastated. They were destroyed after the first Gulf War. We controlled their airspace for a long period of time. No way. There's just no way, no way, no way. We, we, we would have known. And it just seemed like it came out of the blue. 9-11. Oh, by the way. Iraq has a weapons of mass destruction. Well, nobody was talking, nobody was concerned about it before 9-11. It just seems so, it just seemed like a, a, a mess. And, and I, I could, I could have been horribly wrong. I could have been horribly wrong. And they could have gone in, found the weapons of mass destruction and saved millions of lives, but it didn't go down that way. So hundreds of thousands of lives were lost. There is my take and my opinion. Thanks for the person who emailed me to ask me my experience. I definitely can share more if you need me to. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for giving me the privilege and the opportunity to share a little bit of my experience. 
You may have experienced it very different in your part of the world, but that's what I saw from my perspective. I do understand that there was exceptions to everything that I talked about, but I'm just giving you to the best of my ability what I saw in that time. And I think they serve as a warning for the church in 2023 that still today is just as as preoccupied and hijacked by politics, nationalism, patriotism. The same issues are just as present today. All right. Thanks for listening. God bless.